Hello everyone, my name is Brandon Bailey and this is another episode of Take Your Shot. I'm here with my co-host. JP, you know who I am. And today we have a special guest with us today. Um, he works for the SAC B. Um, I got to spend a lot of time with him when I was on the beat um, writing for the football team this um, past semester. And um, yeah, let's introduce yourself. That's me, it's uh, Cam Sloan. I work for the Sacramento B. Appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, and yeah, it's gonna be really fun. Well, I guess we just wanna start off, man, just you know, I got to learn a lot just, you know, observing you, you know, like I said, this past semester, just watching how you work. Um, but I was always interested, like, how did your journey into journalism begin? You know, like, what made you want to get into journalism? And um, how has that journey been so far for you? Yeah, I mean, I've always wanted to go into sports. I mean, who doesn't? I mean, watching sports is the best thing ever. And you have to do it as a job. You get paid for it. It's pretty cool. My journey started when I was 15 and a half. I was a sophomore at Wood Creek High School. And I got the opportunity to uh, be an intern at the Roseville Press Tribune. So I covered a lot of uh, Wood Creek sports, covered a lot of Grand Bay sports, mostly Placer County stuff. Mm -hmm. I mostly did football, basketball, baseball. And I mean, it was a really cool experience because not a lot of people were doing that my mm -hmm. age and it kind of really opened my eyes. And it was also kind of scary too because I didn't really have someone to lean on when I was doing this. I mean, obviously I had great mentors growing up. My boss, Steven Wilson was awesome and he helped really guide me through the process. But I mean, I wasn't taking any classes on this. I wasn't really talking to people my age about it. And so for me, my kind of mission now is to give back mm -hmm. and give people the opportunity to say, Hey, it's okay to go into this. And I know this is a very competitive industry, but at the same time, we need people like myself who will give back to others and will help them guide guide them through the process. I've had the opportunity to speak at 12 high schools in Sacramento uh, about my journalism career. I've speak to hundreds of students and I always make myself available because you know I I want to be that person to help if they need it and have that guidance because I know how important it is and um, yeah, so I think it's it's pretty cool. I think I have the best job in the world because at the same time, like I said, I'm covering sports, I'm getting paid to do so, and mm -hmm. obviously interacting with people and getting to know them, I think is the best part. I mean, with either media people or players, coaches, those relationships you form, I think are gonna really carry on for a lifetime. Cam, it seems like, you know, I follow you on Twitter. I see all your coverage. You're kind of all over the place, man. Like, what's your favorite thing to cover? Because I know you hop between prep sports. You've also covered the Niners a little bit. You cover the Kings a little bit. Like, what's your favorite thing to cover so yeah, far? Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of funny you say that because when I really got started, I always had the impression I wanted to do preps forever. And then one day, my editor at the Sacramento Bee said, hey, would you ever in interest covering the 49ers? And of course I said yes, because I mean, that's the team I grew up watching. Uh, I mean, obviously who wouldn't want to cover the NFL? And so it really, I'll never forget the second I opened or I walked into the stadium and kind of sat down in my press seat, it opened my eyes and I said, yeah, I, I think I want to reevaluate what I thought before. <laughs> and I have some funny stories just, I mean, over the last two and a half years covering sports, I'll get into later. But I just thought, I mean, I would say probably covering football is the best. I mean, perhaps football around here is pretty awesome, but nothing beats the 49ers. I mean, I had the chance to cover them during their NFC Championship run two years ago, and that was just an unforgettable experience. And obviously, I, I've done a lot of things at the B. I've kind of done everything. I joke I'm the Swiss Army knife. I cover preps. I cover uh, college sports. I cover uh, professional sports. Um, so I think it's pretty cool. I like doing everything. And doing a little bit of everything really makes you versatile and helps out in the long run. 
I've seen you actually like tweet like about like how prep sports is actually kind of like the most challenging because you have to like yeah keep stats you know um talk talk to me about like what makes that the most challenging yeah I, I mean you have to you're pretty much your own person when you cover prep sports you're it's not like when you go to a high school basketball game there's gonna be a press row yeah. 10 other journalists <laughs> covering and so you're pretty much on your own i mean you're lucky if you have one other person there and that's maybe for the playoffs or uh, a big game but for the most part you're on your own so you're finding out that inf- information and it's not like the nba where you go down and uh it's a it's a press room <laughs> and they, they do press conferences you have to go find your own interviews and you have to go yeah. approach people most of the time you don't know mm-hmm. and it's i mean it's a little awkward because for me like everyone assumes because i'm in journalism i'm a very i talk to a lot of people but I, i'm introverted myself and so <laughs> it's 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 hard to get out there and put yourself out there but uh after time it really pays off because those relationships you form kind of like i mentioned earlier they really pay off and you just never know when you're going to need someone and it'll help you down the line. I mean, there's been countless people I've talked to maybe for a story that I've used later on, or I still communicate with to this day. And so kind of going back to your point and your question about what makes it so hard, you're keeping track of your own information and you're doing your own research. And I, I hate saying that, uh, but you're really, you're going out there and you're finding out the information about a player or a team. Uh, maybe when's the last time they won a game like this or it's just stuff you would have to go out on your own. I mean, when you're covering Sac State football, you're covering the NFL or covering Sac Republic, you're getting spoon-fed the information. Literally, yeah. I mean, they give you any stat you need. <laughs> yeah. any, so you're, I mean, those are the most relaxing games because you're just sitting there and you're kind right. of just watching the game, having a good time. Um, but when you're covering high school sports, you have to be really observant. You have to talk to people. You have to get outside your comfort zone. So I think those are the things that make it the most difficult. Yeah, uh, the one point that stood out to me was, like, how you said, like, it's most challenging because, like, you're, like, kind of introverted, but you're a journalist. It's crazy because, like, I feel like I have that same experience because, like, first coming in to, like, the State Hornet, for me, I think that was the hardest part, just reaching out to people. I could have a conversation with anybody, I feel like, you know, but and, you know, ask questions and do whatever the job requires. But I think the hardest part for me was just, like, you know, those cold calls or, you know, just – doorstepping people and like i don't know it's it's nerve-wracking yeah it's nerve-wracking i think i mean for me i haven't really had those those true opportunities where like i'm cold calling people but like i am i am cold texting a lot of people and saying hey like can you talk me to this story and some of the time they'll say no and that's fine i mean i i don't get offended i mean i feel like i have pretty thick skin and Mm -hmm. i just know it's part of the business and for every bad interaction you have, you have 10 good ones. So I think it's keeping that positive mindset and having that positive perspective of that. Not everything's going to be perfect in this industry, but those experiences will help you in the long run. Mm-hmm. What's your, um? I don't know if you have one, but what's your favorite moment that you witnessed while covering a game so far in your career? I mean, I know this sounds so cliche and I know when you like ask a famous person or like someone like, Hey, Talk about your signature moment. Uh, I feel like I've said this like a million times, but it's covering the NFC Championship game because seeing just the magic of like a team going to the Super Bowl and obviously it's the team you grew up watching. I think that just is, was the most amazing experience I've ever had. Um, I mean, it, it just really made me realize like this is just this is cool. Like this is awesome. This is I want more of this. And so I think that was like probably the coolest experience I've ever had in my life. Well, I'm just curious too because obviously you mentioned the 49ers are the team you grew up watching. 
does it add like something is it like extra special because you're covering the team oh, obviously yeah. that you grew up watching I mean, like what is that like because it, i'm just curious i mean it's amazing i i think for me i i grew up going to 49ers games and I think everyone kind of like has a dream. Oh, it'd be cool to cover a game here like mm. one day. And I think everyone says that, but to actually experience and do it and not just do it once, but do it multiple times and do marquee games. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, I've covered primetime games. I've covered games on Sunday night football. I've covered playoff games. I mean, I've done the whole nine yards. The only thing missing is Super Bowl uh, covering that. I mean, that's, I think, my dream. And I know I'm going to achieve it one day. But yeah, I mean, those experiences are amazing. And they're just stuff that, I think it just makes it all worth it you know because not every day is gonna be great i mean there's days where uh i'm not feeling great about myself just like this isn't a job where you get up every day and you're feeling amazing you have to kind of just push yourself sometimes and i yeah. think all those um i don't, I don't want to say dark days but all the days that like i really doubted myself and knowing like hey do i want to do this as a career it made it all worth it so yeah i mean there was times like that during covid where i mean there wasn't really a lot of sports going on but now you realize that it was all worth it and kind of things are getting somewhat back to normal. And so I think for me, it's something that I really appreciated. And I, like I said, it was, it was the best experience of my life. Talk to me about the difference between, like you said, you got to cover two of your teams that you've watched your whole life between the Kings and the Niners, right? One team is on the winning scale while the other team <laughs> has been on the, you know, the downside for a couple of years. Talk to me about the difference in covering each each team, you know, and like. Well, it, su know. it sucks covering a team that is not yeah. good. I, think <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, I'm not on the Kings beat at all, so I'm only covering a few games. So I don't uh, really have that whole experience of covering a bad team every single night. Yeah, like, I think that that really make me depressed as a person. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm I have the luxury of being able to turn off the game if I don't want to watch it anymore. And I mean, uh, I think the Kings are on the ups like. I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about the Kings later. <laughs> I, I talk. I mean, the amount of calls and texts I had when the Kings made that trade, I, I was on my walk and I, I try to, I keep uh, my walk every single morning is something that I kind of detox and I don't really go on my phone. I try to just listen to music, relax, kind of think about what I want to do for the day. And I don't turn my phone off or I don't like turn my phone on the cell or anything, but I don't really check it that much when I'm on my walks. And I felt my pocket like buzz, like, yeah. multiple times and i was like oh like you know, did someone tweet at me or something they're like <laughs> did, did someone text me and i literally had like 20 text messages from people like i know like saying what just happened and of course i didn't see what actually happened so i went on twitter and <laughs> saw it and so i thought that was it was it was a weird day man really weird and it was funny because like that morning i don't know why but i have like this weird feeling that something crazy was about to happen i didn't know what it was but just like it was just something like inside of me i was like i think something weird's gonna happen today and that, that's weird so yeah <laughs> um, um i think last question i have is if there's um any tips you can give out there to young aspiring journalists what would it be oh yeah i mean first off you want to communicate as much as you can you want to reach out to people you know, people you admire in this industry. I and mean, it might be someone local, it might be someone national. Uh, I think that's the first step because you have to build those relationships. And I think you guys know it too. Networking in this industry is crucial. Sure. I mean, it's the people you know along the way. And I think for me, what's been so rewarding is the amount of people I've met over the last few years, just like with journalism. And I consider a lot of those people my friends too. And it's, it's pretty cool to have those relationships established. 
Um, I think the next thing too, just practice as much as you can. I mean, it could be as simple and I know this may sound silly, but if you watch a game, write about it. Like it might, you don't have to get anything published to get better at it. I mean, that's what I did growing up. And uh, when I was kind of in my mix of uh, freelancing and going to the B, I mean, I was covering games without pay obviously but i was writing about it. i was gaining practice i was gaining experience and so that's the advice i give is just make sure you're always writing always practicing because you never know when it's going to pay off and so i think those two things are the most important tips i would give out to any journalist who wants to start uh, but also too i think another tip i would have just be passionate about what you do i mean it's really easy to tell the people who don't like their job and people who love their job it's not hard to differentiate and so i think just obviously like i said you're not going to have good days every single day but just be passionate about what you do because having this job i think is a privilege because not everyone gets to write about sports and right. uh and get paid to do so and so i think that's what is important to me uh knowing that every day i wake up and i get to do really what i love and i know it's not gonna be perfect every day but at the end of the day uh, i just have to appreciate what i do All right, y'all. So, you know, on our first episode, Brandon and I, we bet a case of Gatorade on the Super Bowl. I took the Bengals, Brandon took the Rams, and we know how that worked out for me. So, Brandon, I'm a man of my word. So I'm Your like case to see. of Gatorade is, you know, paid in full. I would just like to say shout out to Aaron Donald and the whole Rams team. You know, I dedicate that win to y'all. I told y'all defense wins championships, but. Um, just to get started, man, you know, obviously, like I said, the Rams got it done. Um, the Bengals had a great season. I think we all, like, can't deny that. I mean, Joe Burrow did something I haven't seen in my whole years of watching, you know, football. Went to the Super Bowl in the second year. But ultimately, they just couldn't get the job done. And um, I guess my question to that, to you guys are, do you guys see Joe Burrow and the Bengals getting back in the near future or any time in the future at that point? I got to start off by saying I, I'm a Joey B stan. I love me some Joe Burrow. Joe, I mean, his confidence, his swagger. I think he just he's easy to root for. He just he's he's just a great person. That being said, there's no chance the Bengals make a bad <laughs> anytime soon. I mean, look at how loaded the AFC is. I mean, you have the Kansas City Chiefs, who are insanely good. You have the Bills, who are going to want revenge. Uh, obviously, you have the Chargers, which Herbert, and I think he's coming out for revenge next year. And then who knows what's going to happen with the whole quarterback carousel. I mean, yeah. who knows if Deshaun Watson's going to be on the Texans. Who knows where he's going to end up. Who knows if Aaron Rodgers is going to end up in the AFC. Who knows if anybody is going to end up uh, there. So I think the AFC is going to be really loaded. I think the NFC is honestly, if, if the Niners develop Trey Lance like I think they should and how they believe they will, I think it's going to be the Rams and 49ers for the next few years in the uh, NFC. Do I see him back in the what's, – what's, like, the near future? Like, what's the time Let's, frame on that? The timeline? Like, five, five years? Five years. Five years? I could see it because, well, it's like, can you see it? Like, obviously, you don't know what's going to happen in five years. And obviously, I have to mention, the Bengals were the beneficiary of, you know, the Titans, Derrick Henry – was coming off, you know, like he was out for like 10 weeks. He, he was rusty. 
Uh, obviously not himself. Uh, they they caught a few breaks on their way. They they beat the Chiefs though. I will say like they beat the Chiefs like fair and square. America and won because of that. <laughs> ex- <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like they beat the Chiefs fair and square because they went to Kansas City and beat them. Who am I to say like I can't see them there? They slayed the dragon. I mean, you have a good point, but I think like Cam said, the AFC is just way too deep. Patrick Mahomes, I don't see him like diminishing anytime soon. He's a fraud. Lamar Jackson. Okay. Lamar Jackson was hurt this year, so we didn't even get the chance to see him. And then um, my Raiders almost beat them, you know. So I'll just stop. I'll do say I think the Bengals have a better chance to get there than the Ravens. Really? Yeah, I don't think Lamar Jackson's ever going to make it. I the think Lamar Jackson is a receiver away from them completing that offense. They've been missed. To me, I feel like they've dropped the ball these past few he years in the draft because they can't of get weapons. Not really, bro. He not is the ultimate of, weapon himself. Him, but he needs you need other people he surrounding you Marquise. to win a championship. Hey, maybe he'll get AB and then they can complete. complete if they get AB oh, and they don't make the Super Bowl, I don't want to hear about it. I'm just saying, man. He's one receiver away. You 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 add all these running backs. You know, but you get the Rashad Bateman How last do we year. Say that? Rookie, but like, the, the Bengals on, are man. getting no respect. They are AFC North. The Bengals need a line. They're a- he got sacked once. Nine they, once times. they get a line, what's stopping the Bengals from getting back? I know, but when you think about that, like I know everyone says, like, oh, they'll be back. But are they though? <laughs> like, I mean, seriously, I mean, you look at how stacked the AFC is, and I mean. The Bengals had a magical season. I, and I think Joe Burrow is an amazing quarterback. He has that big game experience. I mean, I thought the Bengals were going to win the Super Bowl. But at the same time, like, those magical runs don't happen every year. I mean, especially with the same team. I mean, who knows? Maybe the Bengals turn into a powerhouse. But I think this is more of an outlier season than anything. But, I mean, they got two bona fide number one receivers. They got a running back. They got Joey B. He's I know, but I, I'm going to knock on wood here, but – Injuries happen. I mean, look what happened with the Ravens. I mean, they, they, and you never know what's going to happen. I mean, Joe Burrow tore his ACL two years ago. I mean, yeah. you just never know. I mean, those, those stars align and you have to really take advantage of those opportunities. And the same could be said about the 49ers two years ago. I mean, they really got lucky at the right time. Uh, all their injuries that were plaguing them throughout the season really lined up and the stars aligned and they couldn't get it done. So it's hard to make it back to the Super Bowl. I know. It, everyone says, "Oh, well, we're going to be back." I mean, it's it's not that easy. And who knows? I'm I hope the Bengals do. I mean, I like Joe Burrow as a person. I like him as a quarterback. I mean, they have a really fun team. They have Jamar Chase. They have Joe Mixon. Uh, they have Tyler Boyd. They have T. Higgins. They have a really fun team, I and mean, they're a fun team to watch. But I just do not see them <laughs> that magical season being replicated. I mean, just the teams are in there, and how other teams in the AFC might get better. I mean, the Broncos, the Colts. I mean, those are teams that are, are quarterback really away possibly so we'll see i don't know well speaking of being back what do you think are the chances that the rams are back next well year? ask me that question in a few weeks when we see if donald's retiring or mcveigh's retiring i don't i don't think they will they, i don't think they but are. i just i don't know I, like i said i think it's gonna be the 49ers and rams for the next few years i think they really have each other's each other's number and they're pretty similar teams i mean they have they're built around their defense and I mean, I think the 49ers' biggest wild card is Trey Lance. I mean, if Trey Lance turns into what people think he might be, I mean, everyone's saying, oh, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. I mean, if he turns into that level of a quarterback with the 49ers' defense, I mean, who's going to stop him? I mean, how confident are you that he will be that quarterback? I, I mean, we've I, seen two games. The first game he had, he played pretty good. Second game was 
Eh. Yeah, I mean, I think he, for me, I think he got better as he got snaps and he got reps. I mean, you saw it with in the Texans game. He really struggled kind of the first half. But, I mean, for me, some of the throws that Lance didn't make were the ones that impressed me the most. I don't know if you guys remember this game, but when they played the Texans, it was the first half. There was 12 seconds left. Lance threw kind of a, a dart in the back of the end zone, Brandon Ayuk. And it was incomplete, but he had perfect placement on the ball. I mean, he couldn't have placed it any more perfect. And then I think what everyone is excited about is that 45-yard touchdown from him to Debo Samuel where he kind of rolled out, uh, bootlegged to the right, and threw like a dart. And so I think that's what excites 49ers fans. And, I mean, it's so weird to me that there are 49ers fans who are actively rooting for Trey Lance to fail just to fit their Jimmy G <laughs> narrative. I mean, I think I mean, I mean, think Jimmy G is a good person. I mean, I've interacted with him a few times over the years, and he, he's a nice guy. But I think Trey Lance gives him the best chance to win going forward. I mean, everyone's saying, oh, they're going to get Tom Brady. There's no way they're going to get Tom Brady. It, it's Trey Lance. I will put my life savings at Trey Lance as a starter. Uh week one next year so but you think that trey lance in his first year as a starter is gonna dethrone the super bowl champion i don't know but like he the situation i kind of compare it to is when russell wilson was in his second year at the seahawks russell wilson didn't have to be that guy i mean his stats weren't anything spectacular but they still won the super bowl because they had an elite defense and they had pretty good weapons around them. I think you can say the same about the 49ers. They have that big game experience now. They have a really good core with, I mean, young stars, Eva Samuel, George Kittle. Trey Lance isn't going to have to carry the team like others will. I mean, Mahomes in his second year as a starter. I mean, I look at the Chiefs team in 2018, was it, I think, to the 49ers team right now. I think the 49ers roster is definitely better than the Chiefs right now. Obviously, mm -hmm. they have uh maybe a better coach than Andy Reid and maybe a few positions but I mean the 49ers defense is clearly better than the Chiefs was in 2018 and so I mean you're gonna get most of those guys back you're probably gonna be able to draft some people in high rounds I mean when you trade Jimmy G who knows what kind of compensation you'll get maybe a first or second round pick I mean I think that's the pipe dream but I mean if you can get a a pretty good pick for him I mean it kind of offsets what you really trade for Trey Lance mm -hmm. because you traded essentially two first round picks and a third round pick because you don't really count the pick you traded and so if you get something back from like a first round pick it kind of offsets what you really gave up and then obviously like I said if Trey Lance turns out to be the star that everyone thinks he is none of those picks will matter yeah yeah and before I veer back to the original question I just feel like like you were saying like I think Trey Lance is going to be fine because he's going to fit more into Kyle Shanahan's system than Jimmy G would have. Like, I feel like Kyle Shanahan would be able to be more creative with Trey Lance, I would say, than he would with Jimmy G. No, the situation I compared it to, and I told a few of my friends this, it's like Jimmy G's that toxic ex that you just keep going back to because yeah. like, you think it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's all good. But then, I mean, you have this new person you meet in Trey Lance who gives you any, everything you wanted and more. Exactly. And so I think that's the situation I kind of compared it to. But, yeah, I think – I think the Rams have a good chance of getting back. Um, it's hard, like you said, to repeat. But if they can keep – I feel like if they could keep that core together, like you said, with Aaron Donald, you know, get Sean McVay back. And then hopefully I – don't, I don't know how the timetable for OBJ will look. But, I mean, yeah. I'd imagine you get Robert Woods back next year. So, I think they'll be in pretty good shape to at least make a run, like you said. And the NFC is pretty much – Wide open besides those two teams. I think it, of the carousel. Well, but can on. they carry Robert Woods and OBJ at the same time? See yeah. that 
I think that, I, I think like OBJ I think OBJ showed this year that he but can that's like too many he can ma- kind that's of like too many t- mouths. To I just feed. think I mean I don't think uh, so, bro. well I think what's gonna be interesting to see what the Cowboys do this off season. Uh, I mean I I saw reports that they want to possibly release or trade Mark Cooper, and then it, it just. I know this is so cliche, but it's so hard to win the NFL. Yeah, and it's yeah, so hard to be sure. a good team for so long. So when you t- see a team that sustains success for a long period of time, it's honestly extremely impressive. Um, last thing on the Super Bowl before we move on to the next topic. Um, Matt Stafford, you know, the Rams, they went all in, <laughs> traded like, what was it, two first-round picks for him yeah. and, and some more. And he got a Super Bowl ring. He has the numbers. A lot of people may argue. Um, didn't have the most success in Detroit, but, I mean, come on, y'all. It's, it's Detroit. No, But no. do you think this ring secures no. his legacy as no, a Hall of Famer? No. No, a thousand times over. <laughs> like, when you think the, – the Hall of Fame, like, every Hall of Fame nowadays is just so dumb. Like, it's like anybody – can get in just by doing just something like average like you they didn't even win the super bowl because of Matt stafford but when you like when you say the the name when when you say the name matt stafford like when you say a hall of famer's name you should be like yes hall of famer when i say matt stafford's name no hall of fame is not even close in my head well i'll tell you someone who should be in the hall of fame if 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 matt stafford's going to be in the hall of fame matt ryan has to be in the hall of fame too I mean, he, he, he wait, he hold on. He, he hasn't even won a bowl. Yes, but he has an MVP that Stafford does not, and he has better well, career stats than him. Oh, that's but he, he come on, he fumbled away that bowl. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't fully his fault. I mean, but you go this, blame it on your coach. But I'm saying, like, I, I, I know, I know, we we have we have a Stafford fan in the house. But I mean, <laughs> yes, Stafford. Play, no, who? Okay, I. Stafford's performance in the Super Bowl reminded me a lot of Patrick Mahomes like two years ago. Okay. He didn't – I mean, in the, he threw two picks. Yeah. Both of them did. I mean, Stafford – I mean, obviously threw three touchdowns and had that play, but, I mean, let's let's be honest. Cooper Cup won them that yeah. game. And Aaron yeah. Donald won them that game. I mean, Sta- Stafford had that crazy throw. I mean, that, that was incredible, that no-look pass. Yeah. But, I mean, in the first half, he didn't really do anything to win them that game. I mean, I don't know. I just think – when you're talking about Hall of Famers, I think you mentioned it. The Hall of Fame, I think, has become really watered down. I mean, the MLB, you, you could be a, the best player of all time and still not make the Hall of Fame. <laughs> and the NFL, you could be a top 50 player in your, your era and you can make the Hall of Fame. So I think it is watered down. I mean, I think it's the same with the NBA. I think what if we're going to talk about All-Star Game later, but like seeing those top 75 players, I mean, you could like see on Twitter – I think for me, what was funny is you like look at the thread of people who are on there, and you see like the ratio of like some guy who played like the 1940s like on the all-time list, or I don't know if that's 75 years. Um, but it's like it's just become watered down. I think so. I think I don't like the MLB is too strict, but the NBA and NFL are too loose. I think. Yeah, it's just my final thought is, and Brandon's gonna be so pissed at me, but. The funny part about it for me is I just feel like RG3 is better all-time than Matthew Stafford. Oh, <laughs> okay, let's relax. Yeah. Anyways, um, 
I would just disregard like you didn't even say that. But uh, it, um, it's a tough argument. You can go either not, way. It's, it's, it's like it's, saying it's Jim. Not. It's like saying Jimmy G is a Hall of Famer because he's too super. Right. Like, come might. on now. Let's 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 be realistic. <laughs> my take on my take on the Stafford thing is I feel like me personally I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, right? But I think when it comes down to voters, they have like a certain like curriculum or like you said, it's kind of like watered down now where they yeah. put who they feel like. Is like a Hall well, of is Famer Eli is Eli like, Manning gonna be Hall? No, Famer? no. But then you got to question. I, I would make the argument I question, that I question the Hall of Fame ballot in general because you got guys like Chad Johnson who's not in the Hall of Fame and he's put up a lot of numbers and had a lot of success. Terrell Owens, it took him like two or three years for him to get in there, and he like has all the records. Hey, so. Eli Manning has two Super Bowls and like, and he beat the Patriots twice. Okay, but that's but he, but but like I times. said, he's not he's not he was never a top five quarterback in his era ever exactly and so i think that's what people have problems with so i think it's there needs to be a set criteria because just winning a super bowl and having good career numbers and also with quarterbacks too in like the modern era the last decade stats are really inflated i mean look at i mean it's a passer's game yeah i mean you look at how many four thousand year passers nfl's had the last decade I i don't have a stat but it's definitely a lot yeah compared to the 10 previous years where there probably wasn't as many. So, I mean, if you threw for like 3,500 yards, it would be a good season. Heck, the 49ers all-time passing, I think, franchise record for a season is like 4,000 yards. And so that should just show. I mean, Brady, I think, threw for like 5,000 this year or something like that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's definitely come to a pass-happy uh, pass league. Yeah. Um. Well, I guess we need to talk about, you know, your favorite topic of the day, your Sacramento Kings, man. <laughs> um, like you said before when we was interviewing you, you know, you, you remember like the whole day of when you got the trade, right? Yeah. But how do you – why – to all right, I just have to ask you like personally. What was – as a Kings, like somebody that's like watched them, you know, been a fan of them, what do you think Vivek like had in mind when he chose Halliburton over Fox? I mean well, Fox over Halliburton. Well, I think – I mean – that's the rationale I had, like when I first thought of it. But then I thought about it more, and I think the Pacers didn't want Fox. I don't think teams wanted Fox just because he has a large contract, and Tyrese Halliburton's under team control for the next seven years, essentially, because he has he's on a rookie deal and he's a restricted free agent. So you can sign him to a supermax and sign him for five years. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what really intrigued teams. I just was stunned that they would trade Halliburton. I mean, I know. People will say, yes, like they got Sabonis, and I think Sabonis is a good player. Like there's nothing there's nothing that is formulating my opinion that way. But I just didn't get the timing of the trade. I just didn't understand why they would do this now. I mean, they're a team that's 13th in the West, and they're actively pushing for the playing game in a year that you should be taking. This yeah. is one of the best top-heavy draft classes of all time. I mean, or not all time. I think that's, that's a little far-fetched. But, I mean – in the modern, I mean, at least in the last few years, I mean, you saw uh, some of the potential. I think in 2018, when you had uh, Zion or not Zion, uh, Luca, you had Trey Young, you had Marvin Bagley, and so that was, I think, kind of similar. Like, there's a lot of stars in the top few picks, mm-hmm. and that's how I view this draft. I mean, you have Jay Nivey from Purdue, who's really good. You have Chet from Gonzaga, who's been a star ever since he was in high school. Uh, you have Paul Benchero from Duke, who's was the number one pick probably for a lot of people coming in the year. And then you have obviously Jabari Smith, who's played like the number one pick at Auburn. If the Kings get any of those four guys, I think they can easily make the playoffs next year. But I just think I have a problem with them trying to prioritize when now, now, I mean, I think Kings fans are, 
patient people. They're the most loyal people ever. If you're a Kings fan or you're Dana Kings fan, you know your partner's going to be loyal. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, I just don't understand how you justify that to the fan base when you're trading your best young asset in years, who's a fan favorite, who's likable, who's good. I, I mean, I've had, I've had stories. I mean, Tyrese Halborn was at Christian Brothers High School the day before he got traded. I, I was at Christian Brothers the other right. day, and some people told me that, and I, I just didn't get it. I mean, he loves Sacramento, and I think he wanted to be a part of the change. And I think that's what a lot of people had issue with, and that's why I try to tell people. And so I just didn't understand the trade from that aspect. Like I said, the Kings had to make a splash. They did. I've said that for weeks. I know people say, well, they made a trade. Like, you asked for a trade. Like, be happy. <laughs> like, yes. Like, I mean, I don't really care as much. Like, I think I'm more, like, media than a fan of the Kings now just because I'm, I'm more objectively covering them. But at the same time, I just didn't get it. I really didn't. I mean, you have the best player, I think, in, in years. That I mean, I Fox definitely showed flashes of that when he was – second or third year guy and even last year but i mean all i gotta say is it's just funny how De'Aaron's ankle injury magically went away when when they traded for Zabonis. i mean he was injured for i think for eight or nine games and i just i'm i, I don't want to speculate i don't want to go into anything more but i just don't know if they were ever going to fit together i just don't think that could have coexisted for a while and i think they really picked Halburn's value over that and i think what does make me feel good as someone who obviously has been following this team for a while is i mean look at how bad they've drafted over the last decade and a half yeah for them to turn a guy they picked 12th overall into a two-time all-star i think is incredible they didn't have to give up any future picks yeah and so they're i mean i don't think they're mortgaging their future but they're also um trying to write their present when they should just stay patient but there were reports that the Pacers did not want Fox. That's what I'm saying. I, and that's why I didn't get it first. I mean, that's – I think I – as someone who – I mean, obviously I think a lot of Kings fans would prefer them dealt Fox. Yeah. But that wasn't going to be possible. And I think I understood that after a few days. It just – I think it was hard to justify to people that how could you trade someone who is a fan favorite, he's played so well. I mean, in his last game he had 17 assists. How do you trade that? I mean, Sabonis has definitely made the Kings better right now. I mean, I've, I've, I think I speak for a lot of people too when I say the Kings are more exciting right now. They're more watchable. Uh, they're more fun. I mean, this team hasn't been fun since Rudy Gay, DeMarcus Cousins, and Rajon Rondo in 2016. That was a mm-hmm. fun team. I enjoyed watching their games. Like, I would go out of my way to watch them play. Now it's like, oh, the Kings are on? Cool. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go about my day. Right. Now, I mean, I think I, the Kings are watchable right now. And they're definitely a team I'll tune in to watch. And Sabonis definitely makes him better, and I don't think his stats fully justify how much of an impact he's having. I just would like to see him be more aggressive because he's he's the best part on the team right now. Yeah, okay. he's better than De'Aaron Fox, and that's I think De'Aaron Fox couldn't be a number one in this in the NBA, and that's okay. Some players are better as a a, a two scoring option, and Sabonis can be that number one star player. I think he can handle that. And the the narrative I didn't like, and I mean I think. I think people in Sacramento and people who are fans and maybe even media are allowed to criticize the Kings. Like I'm talking like locally because they've seen it firsthand. I mean, look at some of the takes from Jalen Rose and Jacoby. I mean, they said the Kings, it was malpractice. The league should have stepped in. I mean, I, I know the trade wasn't maybe the greatest, 
But come on, that was ridiculous. Yeah. They said Tyrese Halburn was getting DNPs. He's had 17 assists in his last game. How is he? I just don't understand that. So I think it, it's it's really easy to research it. I mean, if you're not knowledgeable on a topic, don't speak about it. I think yeah. that's what I say. Yeah. So going back to the whole point, I just I was shocked they made that trade because I didn't expect it. I mean, I've tweeted for a while that I think if the one guy you build around is Tyrese Halliburton. They didn't listen to me, and it, well, if it they're pushing all their chips to the table, and I think if they don't make the playoffs by next year, I think it's a failure. So at this point, do they just try to draft around Sabonis, or do you try to shop in the offseason, like you said, if it doesn't work this season? And well, you make I mean, I think there's a lot of avenues they can go. I mean, I, I, I don't understand why Rashawn Holmes is still on the roster. I think he's a good player, and he's a fan favorite too. But I just don't think he fits on the Kings right now anymore. I think Sabonis is obviously their starting five. And Holmes just doesn't really – I don't think they can coexist. And so I think trading him in the offseason would be the, the smart route to go. Um, but, I, like I said, if it was me, I would try to tank and try to get that top four pick because now you have something to work with. If you have De'Aaron Fox, Sabonis, in the top four pick, that's something you can work with. I mean, I think – then, I mean, at any point, any of those four guys would fit perfectly, I think, because you have Jabari – I mean, Jabari Smith, Sabonis, Jay Nivey, Sabonis. I mean, Jay Nivey and Deere would be a deadly backcourt. I'd love to see that. And now you needed to because you trade away Buddy Heald. Yeah. And they don't really have a true starting two guard. I mean, you have Davion maybe. You have Dante DiVincenzo. But you need, I think, someone a little bit better because I think both those guys would be better off the bench. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I think they have they have upside if they, they play it right. I mean, we've seen the Cavs pretty much build up a whole – roster in like the matter of a season pretty much same with the bulls yeah the bulls so. kind of followed that same framework they trade for vucevic mm-hmm. uh and then obviously they i mean the kings aren't going to sign demar Derozan. they're not going right. to sign lonzo ball but they can make moves i think they i think they can make the playoffs next year I, i've said this for the last like 10 years and i really hope i'm right one of these years <laughs> um but yeah i mean they they needed they needed to do something bottom line and that's what they did so i mean at the end of the day Monty McNair put a stamp on the franchise. This is his team now. This is the mess he cleaned up from Vladi. Um, uh, and so if it works, he's a hero. If it doesn't work, he's getting fired. That's exactly what I said right after the trade happened. Since we're on the NBA topic right now, it's just one more topic before we leave this show today. You know, the season's been a good, it's been a good first half of the season. I think we've seen, like, a lot of good narratives, like, with the Bulls and their success that we just talked about, the Cavs, my Warriors, we're back on top. Um, but with that being said, like, who are you guys taking it all this year? I still think the Nets can be the team to beat in the East because they have KD and Kyrie. And that Ben Simmons, I like that. Ben Simmons. I, I kind of like that. I'm not going to lie. Ben Simmons is is a criminally un, underrated player. I <laughs> yeah. think people people forgot about how good he can be. Yeah, <laughs> He can be. Yeah, but he – I, the thing is, is I just think he didn't with, like the situation that he was in. I think now that he's he like he has a, a jump, he has a fre- he doesn't have to. But he doesn't now, have. Right? To, he so, has players so, around him that will make exactly. him better. Come on, when, when the moment was the biggest, they made the playoffs. But why are you? Why, okay, so I have okay. a question. Why are, you putting, why, are you, why are you putting the ball in Ben Simmons' hands when you know he can't shoot? You know that as a coach, right? So he like, needs to develop as a player. No, I don't think he has to develop in that aspect of his game why? because he's he's a pass first player. And then you surround them with guys like KD, Kyrie. I mean, part-time Kyrie. Huh. 
<laughs> but you know, guys that can yeah, get that's their, another thing. Part you know, time Kyrie. you know, you surround him with guys that can get their own bucket. All he has to do is facilitate and do what he does best: play defense. Exactly. So, exactly. So, okay, so that's how, why that's why I think they're going to be good. Literally, they'll go up to Ben Simmons and say, "All you have to do is facilitate, play defense. KD and Kyrie will score. Exactly. You don't have to worry about it. Get get me 10, 10, 10 a night." Or something like that, and play good defense. That's why the, the Nets are still the team well, to beat. How are they going to win though if they have Kyrie part time? I know we were talking well, about before the show it, the mandate might change, but I'm just saying if things are the same, they're obviously not winning. Then the you title. tank the season. You make sure you get a lower <laughs> seed, so you you get road court advantage. Yep. Like, all the solutions lead to taking this. this uh, I mean, this in the season. I still think it's the. I mean. I think still think it's gonna be Warriors Nets. I what just, with the Suns? I think the, the Suns, Suns defense. But but Chris Chris Suns, Paul's out for he, six to eight weeks though. He, they'll be fine. Clay They're just champ- came back. They didn't even see us when we had Clay. I'm sorry. The Warriors and Draymond are sorry. is out right now. So the Warriors, Warriors the Warriors so are sorry. So think about this, this right? So we I'm get, thinking about so, it. So we get Draymond back okay, off of his back Draymond. injury, right? Okay. Clay Thompson's playing dang near like. He was playing before he left, right? Yeah, and, the and then you still add, better. and then you, and then you add James Wiseman to the Jonathan Kaminga. I'm sorry, mix? James Wiseman's a bust. Oh, I'm sorry, okay. Jordan. I'll, I'll bet you right now. I will bet you lunch that the Warriors make it farther than the Celtics in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. what? That is ridiculous. Come on, you're so but confident you know in the Celtics. You, you just said the Celtics are a finals right. team. And so you said the Warriors are going to bounce early. So if that's if that's okay. the hill you want to die on, you know then. what? I'm, I'm going to take your bet. Lunch. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess that's that's a wrap, y'all. We're going to end it right there. Um, like you, I don't know if I mentioned my take. I'm definitely taking my Warriors. We winning it all this year. Uh, Celtics but, uh, winning it all, but okay. You know, um, I'll probably get another Gatorade by the time that one's over. <laughs> no. But um, man, I want to just thank you, Cam, for just coming on. You know, yeah, no, thank us you with guys. The game you gave us and um, just sharing the incredible stories that you had over your experience too. I appreciate it. I mean, I, I have some pretty funny stories. I'll end on this. This is, this is a pretty funny story for you guys. So, probably most embarrassing moment of my whole career. Well, I have two of them. Um, first NFL game I ever covered was Week Seven or Eight against the Panthers. Uh, it's a game the 49ers won like 52-14. So I am a person who really tries to get there early and scout out the scene. And so I get to the Levi Stadium and I finally park. I, I'm really stressed out. And I hadn't checked my phone in like three hours. So I knew I needed to check my phone. And so I realized I made an error on one of my stories. So I had to fix it. And I was fixing it on my phone. And I was typing. And I was in, uh, I was in running shoes. I was in like, uh, like pretty much like nice clothes and running shoes because I didn't want to wear dress shoes three-hour drive. And so I'm sitting in my car. I'm uh, typing away. And I have my door open because I, I knew I was going to put my shoes on. And I always have this habit. I always lock my door uh, on like the side just because I, I never want to forget. And, you know, bad things could happen. So uh, I always hit the lock button, and so I'm typing away, and I'm parked next to someone, and they're like, hey, man, can you close your door because, like, uh, like I can't get out of my car. I'm like, oh, yeah, for sure. So I step out of my car. I close my door, yeah. and as soon as I do that, I realize I left my keys in my car. No. And so I was locked out, and um, I had to call AAA, and AAA couldn't get in the stadium because it was blocked off. Thankfully, some <laughs> random guy – who had those tools, bailed me out and had it. And like, it's like the air, like compressor or not like, the air, like, I don't know. You put like something inside the car, you like pump it. And yeah. so like it expands, so you hit the door. Some random guy saved my ass. And, and I was able to get my keys. I ride to the game. Great experience. That's so crazy. yeah, shout out to that guy. <laughs>
Hey, shout out to the guy with the tools, man. Yeah. Thanks, Cam. Thanks for appreciate you guys. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate y'all for um, coming on and tuning in for another episode. This is your co-host Brandon and your co-host Jordan signing off for another episode. And we'll see you guys next time. See you, y'all.